We are in Doctrine and Covenants section 45, and we're going to do one verses 1 through 15 today. Um, at this point in time, there's about 2,000 members of the church, and there are a lot of slanderous reports happening in newspapers trying to discourage people from joining the church. Um, it was interesting. My mom said yesterday, and come follow me, that at that point in time, you didn't have to have the facts. People could just report whatever they wanted. And I said, wow, that kind of feels like we're getting back there. We're coming full circle and we're getting back there. Um, but one of the things that was really cool that it said in the handbook, the student manual, is it said um, the Lord would pour down these revelations and speak comfort and peace to the saints by giving them these revelations. And I so loved that. Joseph Smith spent three years um, doing Joseph Smith translations on the Bible. And um, it, I read through the history of that and how incredible it was. And it talked about how those go so hand in hand. Half of the revelations that we have in the Doctrine and Covenants come from those three years of him doing these translation, the Joseph Smith um, translation of the book of, of the Bible, excuse me, and how they go hand in hand. And in one of them, it was really cool. It talked about he was in the New Testament studying John. And when the revelation came of the three degrees of glory in DNC 76, and at another time when he was studying Matthew 13 and doing that, the revelation came for DNC 86. And I just think it's amazing that the gifts God gives, they're not as the world gives. It wasn't that he silenced their foes or silenced the lies and the slander. It's that he spoke peace by speaking eternal truths. And it's just that scripture, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord and how great will be the peace of the kingdom. And we know we're looking forward to the millennium when all that has been taught comes to pass, that we are here to do what we did before we ever came, and that is to choose Christ to be our leader and to align our life with his, to be really good at repenting. And we repented before we ever came here. That was part of the plan before we ever came. And that we continue to do those things that allow us to choose him to be our leader and prepare us for this time that he's coming. And so I love that leading into this section of 45 I love in verse 1, it's interesting how many different ways he introduces himself. And I love in verse 1 that he talks about making the heavens the hosts and all things that are made that live and move. And I love that because, again, it just reminds me that all things were created spiritually first and that he was the creator of the earth and everything in its motion and form bear witness that he is their supreme creator. And I love that the earth mourns and that we have many scriptural references of that. So I think that's so cool. Okay, um, hearken to my voice, verse 2. Less death shall overtake you in an hour when you think not, and summer is past. And this is all having to do with the second coming and the harvest ended and your soul's not saved. Um, I love that it says death because what he is talking about is spiritual death and will lead right into this 
um, light, this spiritual death of darkness and this reference of light. And it's referenced a couple times where it really, um, that was what really stood out to me. And so this life is the time to practice repenting and to prepare for him. And I love in verse three that he says, listen to him who is the advocate. And then he describes pleading your cause. And so I just love that thought. And I would say to my students, what do you plead for? When is the time you have pled for something? And what did that look like? Because I can promise you don't plead for dinner unless you haven't eaten. Maybe fast Sunday you plead for that. Um, so really, when you think about pleading, it is an earnest um, appeal for action. And so I love that that's what he's saying. How much do I love you that I'm going to plead your case before the Father? And one of the things in the handbook that I, student manual that I really, really loved is it says in the King James Version, there's only one time that he is referred to as an advocate and it's para. Kleos, and I hope I say that right, um, but it's that is the same word is used for the Holy Ghost, and it's translated comforter. And so I love in John 14, 16, it says Jesus is the comforter, and the Holy Ghost is called another comforter, and I had never noticed that before. So it gives me great comfort that he is who is pleading my case. He loves me that much and he has felt everything I have felt. He knows. And so he is the perfect person to go and plead. I think of when I um, had my children, my mom would come to the hospital and I wanted her there because she would plead my case. Um, and it was so nice when I could say, oh my gosh, I'm burning or something. She would immediately say she's ripping. She knew she had been through it 10 times. She had done it naturally. And she was the person I wanted because she was the perfect advocate. And that's how the Savior is. He knows. And so I just love that it says pleading. I also love that in verse four, he, I love how he says this saying, Father, behold the suffering and death of him who did no sin, in whom thou wast well pleased. Behold the blood of thy son, which was shed, the blood of him whom thou gavest, that thyself may be glorified. Wherefore, Father, spare these, my brethren, that believe on my name, that they may come unto me and have everlasting life. And the way I, the reason I love that is because he's saying, remember, I did the atonement. Remember, I went down and I said, if it be thy will, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, thy will be done. I did that. And Heavenly Father doesn't need to be reminded that. So he's not reminding Heavenly Father that. <laughs> he's reminding us. And all that he did and how much and the purpose that he did that. His love for us and how much he wants us back. Every single one of us. It covered everything. Everything we think is too much, everything we think we can't repent of, he covered. All we have to do is believe and have faith in him and cry out as Alma the Younger did, Oh Jesus, thou son of God, have mercy on me. And I love that. Help thou my unbelief. I, I love that parable in the New Testament. Yea, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. And so we can pray to have faith and to 
have strength to remember our faith in him and his love in us because we need to be reminded of that. Okay, so then we go to the first um, reference of light. And I think it's, let's see, yep, verse 7. For verily I say, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the light and the life of the world, a light which shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. And then go over to verse 9. And even so, I have sent my everlasting covenant. And you need to know, this is talking about the temple, and they don't even have that yet. They don't know that's coming. They don't know what the everlasting covenant is yet into the world, to be a light to the world, to be a standard. And a standard is something we measure against for my people. That's the standard. That's what we want. Eternal life, life as families, that covenant that we make in the temple for the Gentiles to seek to it, to be a messenger before my face and prepare the way before me. And I just love that, preparing us to live with him eternally. That's what it is. But what this reminded me of, I think the reason this stood out to me so much, these references of light and the darkness of death, um, spiritual darkness, not believing and following Christ, is Elder Deiches, and I hope I say that right, D-Y-C-H-E-S, gave a beautiful talk in conference. And it was Sunday afternoon, and he talked about repelling down this Moni, I think it's called, cavern in California because of the sound the wind makes in it. And he said the cavern is so big it could hold the Statue of Liberty. And his two sons went down first, and then he went down with his youngest son. And halfway down, he talked about the light reflecting off the stalagmites and stalactites. And um, halfway down, it went pitch black, and they couldn't even see their hands in front on the ropes in front of their faces. And he said, my son cried out, dad, are you there? And he just said in a way that we have never had never experienced, but we have never forgotten that darkness was so real and tangible and, and we felt it. And when they flipped the light back on, he said, as darkness does, darkness had to flee because light was there. And so he gives this beautiful talk about Heavenly Father being our light and that the Holy Ghost leads us to that light and that repenting pulls back the curtain of sin and lets light in. No darkness ever can dwell because it is defeated and suppressed by the light of the Savior. And I loved that talk. I loved the things that he said it's such a beautiful talk and so I think that's why this light this reference to light really stood out to me um I love that if you go down it talks about in 11 and 12 that the city of Enoch will be taken and um be brought back sorry wherefore hearken you together let me show unto you my wisdom the wisdom of him whom you say is the God of Enoch and his brethren I love that he references Enoch and then goes on in 12 who were separated from the earth and were reserved to myself, a city reserved until a day of righteousness shall come, a day which was sought for by all holy men, and they found it not because of wickedness and abominations. And what I love about that is about a year ago in conference, several apostles referenced the second coming and talked about what it will be like. And one of them really struck me as they said, um, two of them referenced it, but that the city of Enoch will come back and be here with us. And I think I've always 
known that in the back of my head, but the way they said it, all of a sudden it became very, very real that we will have Joseph Smith, that we will have Oliver Cowdery, that we will have Emma, that we will have Martin Harris, that we will have all of these early pioneers. All the graves will be opened and anyone who sought for God to prevail in their life will be here with us. That's for a thousand years, all of these people we love. And it just was something that so touched my heart that I so look forward to. And I love in Moses seven sixty three it says, And the Lord said to Enoch, Then shalt thou and all thy city meet them there, and we will receive them into our bosom, and they shall see us, and we will fall upon their necks, and they shall fall upon our necks, and we will kiss each other. And there shall be mine abode, and it shall be Zion, which shall come forth out of all the creations which I have made. And for the space of a thousand years, the earth shall rest. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord and how great will be the peace of the kingdom. I so look forward to that. Um, with all that's going on, it, it, men's hearts will fail them. Um, we will think it's too much. But I love Sister Reeve's conference talk when she said we will come back and say, is that really all that was required? We need to remember in these verses, help me remember, to cleave unto light that God walks with us and is our comforter, our advocate, gives us the Holy Ghost, the second comforter, to lead us to him, to pair with him, to walk with him. He gives us the strength to do it. And it will seem as nothing as we get to live a thousand years with him and all those who have looked for God to prevail in their life. And that is something I so look forward to. I hope you know the church is true. And more than that, I hope you know how much our Savior loves you.